is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, last time we talked about forgiveness. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about sharing God's grace and sharing the good news about God. That's right. Today, we'll talk about witnessing and what it is that we're actually sharing when we share the love of Christ. You know, One surefire way to stay plugged into God is to tell other people what God has done for you. Um, I don't know about you, Susan, but it just seems like when I reflect on my life and I'm telling somebody what God has done for me, I realize, whoa, God is in the business of working miracles. He He really is. is. He is. Uh, Susan, would you begin today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you provide grace and forgiveness, and not only grace and forgiveness, but you provide healing and an opportunity to share that with other people. And we pray now that um, it will be a blessing for those who are listening, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is God your friend? Do you let people know that? Do you realize that when you tell people about God that you are actually exercising something? Let me tell you a story. I used to work for two of the greatest people in the world. Their names are Fred and Bev Brower. They provided work for about 40 men when the business was going good. And they would do just about anything for their employees. They were just a pleasure to work for. They'd do just about anything for any, anybody else for that matter. Now, once or twice a year, they like to hop on a cruise ship to get away from it all. Pers- my, personally, I don't like cruise ships. but uh, Have you ever been on a cruise ship? I have never been okay. on one, but I don't <laughs> like... I, I don't want to be trapped on a some floating thing that I can't get out. I'm you, not doing you, it. You wouldn't be trapped because every day they go into port. I, so see, she's can... been trying to sell me this bill of good for, goods for years, but I'm not buying it. You can get off at the port it. and you're not trapped. I have a cruise ship in my backyard. <laughs> anyway, I recall, though... One particular seven-day cruise that they took their grandchildren on to the Caribbean. Bev and her grandson were out by the pool navigating some slippery tile near the edge of the pool when Bev slipped and broke her ankle. Now, it was only second day into the cruise, which meant she was either to have to go home then or suffer for about five more days on that ship with a broken ankle. Well, she didn't want to ruin the grandchildren's trip. So she and Fred toughed it out on the ship for the next five days. Then came the long trip to the airport, the flight home, and I'm sure that was fun with a broken ankle, and then the subsequent visits to the hospital where the doctors performed surgery 
and installed plates and screws and staples and whatever else they have to do to paste it all together. You know, I went on the Internet and checked out the type of broken ankle that she had, and there was like every picture was the same. It bra- The typical ankle breaks in the same spot, the same screws, the same plates. So uh, it wasn't anything rare. But uh, anyway, they put all these staples and screws and plates there and so that it would heal up properly. Now, after the surgery, the doctors told her the news that she would have to stay off the ankle completely for at least six weeks. Not only was she not to walk on it, but she had to keep it elevated for about 23 hours a day. Now, as you can imagine, this could only happen one way, and that was by lying on her back. But she was told by the doctors to do certain exercises to keep her blood from clotting while she was forced to stay in this position for such long periods of time. The other reason why she needed to do the exercises, and this is what we want to talk about today, was because she did not want her muscles to atrophy. In other words, she did not want her muscles to go soft, get weak, deteriorate, or lose her muscles. Now, as you know know quite well, and we all know, if we don't exercise our muscles, they will weaken and they will deteriorate. This is this will happen until they finally shrivel up and waste away. And uh, we as human beings simply must exercise our muscles. If we don't, we become weak and feeble. And nobody wants to become weak and feeble. But the the lesson that we want to learn from this is just as we need exercise to, for our physical muscles to keep ourselves in shape and to be strong and healthy, we also must exercise our spiritual muscles. In other words, to stay strong and healthy mentally, we must exercise our faith and our belief in God. While we, Susan and I, were in our addictions, this faith didn't get much exercise. And as we look back, we can see the results of that lack of exercise. They were very apparent in our lives. We basically had spiritual atrophy. Now, just as Bev needed to continue exercise, even though she was lying on her back and in pain, we also, feeling knocked down and in great pain, must get our exercise both physically and spiritually. It's interesting to notice the incredible similarities between the physical rehabilitation of our bodies and the spiritual rehabilitation of our minds. They kind of go hand in hand. And there's such a similarity between uh, your muscles atrophying and you going south spiritually. Um, I think God, that God did that and gave us a wonderful object lesson uh, there. Remember now, rehabilitation is a process. See, we nurtured that disease of spiritual atrophy for a long time. So even though when we turn to God, the healing will begin immediately, our rehabilitation is going to take a long time. That's just the way it is. You know, many, many people coming out of a lifestyle that Susan and I came out of just want it fixed immediately, but you have to rehabilitate. You know, uh, it's just like if you want to begin to jog, you just can't go out and jog five miles the first day. It takes a long time to get up to that five miles. So recovery takes a long time. Doesn't matter what addiction that you're suffering with, it's it's going to take a while to pull out of it. So we wanted to talk about some things to share with others. What three things are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about faith, hope, and love. 
Okay, faith, hope, and love. Faith is what we're going to start with. As we share our faith with others, it is strengthened, and we are reminded of who we have put our faith and our trust in. Um, There is nothing more powerful than the evidence of a changed life, and part of that change is the sharing of what God has done for us through faith. For others find the joy and happiness that we found. They need evidence, and we are that evidence. You know, when when Susan and I go give our presentations, a lot of times we uh, we put some slides up there showing what methamphetamine does to the brain and how it basically turns it to Swiss cheese. And Swiss cheese. And if you are on methamphetamine for any length of time, you can lose anywhere from five to eleven percent of your brain. And the MRIs and the scans will show that. And so it's incredible to see the res- the the restoring power of God uh, in contrast to seeing these uh, these slides of these brains where these people have just basically lost their brains. So I know that Susan and myself, our brains looked like that. And, I, you know, people have called me an airhead, and I can't deny it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Susan, have you had some changes in your life? Yes, I have. I've, I've, there's been a lot of changes. I think, um, not only changes on the inside in the brain and, and the health of my body, but I think on the outside, the way that I look, I know that some of those pictures that we show are not just of the brain, but of, of me, my booking pictures of when I was, um, being arrested over the years. And, uh, the change is incredible. You can see it's almost as though I look younger now than I did. (laughs) She does. We show pictures, booking pictures of her, uh, back in 93, 20 years older. Yeah. So it's incredible what God can do. The, the, the restoring power He's in that business. Right. And when we talk about faith, we talk about trust. And if, you know, I began to, instead of, of, of trusting in my feelings and, my unbelief, I began to trust and have faith in what God's word said and that, that he is faithful to, um, to change us. That's right. See, so folks, it doesn't matter what victory God has given you. Share that victory. Tell others what your almighty, all-powerful, caring friend has done for you. Talk unbelief and you will have unbelief, but talk faith and you will have faith. And your faith will grow because it is exercised. Just like the muscles. That's right. We need to have far less confidence in what man can do and far more confidence in what God can do for every believing soul. He longs to have you reach after him by faith. He longs to have you expect great things from him. He longs to give you understanding in temporal as well as spiritual matters. He can sharpen the intellect. He can give tact and skill. Put your talents to work. Ask God for wisdom, and it will be given you. And that can happen by by trusting in him. I mean, sometimes it's hard to go out and witness. Sometimes you're not too sure what someone's going to say or think about your newfound love and your newfound friend, God, who does these wonderful things in your life. But you know what? There's more people that share that in common with you than you'd think. This world is really messed up, and there's a lot of hurting people right now. They may be just waiting to hear some encouragement and some someone tell them about a victory that God has given them. Now, let's talk a little bit about hope also. Sharing our hope in Jesus does many things for us and for those whom we're sharing it with. You know, hope helps us concentrate our energy, believe it or not, because when you have hope, you're focused. Uh, it, 
I know myself, when I lose hope, I get depressed, I tailspin, and I'm all over the map. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I get my hope back, when I get my focus back, I can concentrate my energies, and I'm well-focused. It provides the Hope also provides the assurance of something positive and rewarding, because hope by nature is positive. Right. Right. And I think as you know, for many people, especially for addicts, we we like we tend to dwell on the past, you know, all of our past mistakes and and uh, and and it's hard to look into the future and to to have that hope. But as we read God's word and as day by day, we we stay clean and sober one more day that gives us more hope and it it builds. And as you share that with other people, their their hope builds. That's right. That's right. And it also calms your emotions and it stabilizes one's thinking. Uh, hope is, is, is a very uh, good aspect. And it's something that we, uh, when we trust in God, that gives us hope. We don't have hope that God will heal us. Our hope is in the fact that he will heal us. Exactly. See, some people get it a little bit back. I hope God will do this, and I hope he will do that. The fact that he's going to do that, and if you trust in him, the fact that he's going to make you well is your hope. Correct. It's very exciting to watch someone who is full of energy and hope, and if you've noticed, it's kind of contagious. This is what the good news is all about, giving others hope, the same kind of hope that we have found. Because without hope, there's no motivation for growth. There is little chance of healing. We need to inspire others in, with hope. This means that we must have a positive outlook on life. This positive outlook will spread to others. Remember, a person can't be positive and negative at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. Can't do it. You know, and I hate to say it, but most of the time, negativity will win out if someone's negative and comes into a room. And so uh, I know with me, I. I can bring somebody down if I want to, and that's very dangerous. So um, we want to stay positive. Now, God loves us unconditionally. We know that. And he has proven that by sending his son to die for us so that we don't have to die. This is love, a love that we don't fully understand. I know I don't understand it, but I know that it's real because it's working in my life. Now, sharing that love of God is so important because there are many people out there that don't understand God's love, that they don't know it, they haven't seen it, or they're afraid of God, or they think it's too. Uh, they think that God's up, just up there waiting to get them in trouble so that He can nail them. I know that's what I. That's the picture of God that I had before. Uh, before I realized that I had no other way than to turn to Him, and when I finally turned to Him, I realized that He was doing everything He could to get me into heaven, not keep me out. See, God wasn't trying to get me in trouble. I was already in trouble. He's not our enemy. He's our friend. And by sharing what God has done for us, many hurting people can come to know and better understand God's love. That's right. Jesus said in John 14, 15, sorry, 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. What exactly are those commandments? When Jesus asked the question in Matthew chapter 22, he answered in verse 27, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What wise words these are. If you think about um, about it, what better way is there to treat your neighbor than the way that is laid out in God's commandments? If you love your neighbor, will you ever steal from him? No. Will you ever lie to him? No. Will you ever want to hurt him? Mm-mm. Would you want to take his wife? 
I should hope not. And by the same token, if we are to love God with all of our heart as he commands us to, doesn't that mean that we won't put anything ahead of him in our lives? This is where it all starts, loving God and loving your neighbor. See, God has put his Ten Commandments in a particular order to illustrate a point. The first four deal with our relationship with him. The last six deal with our relationship with our fellow human beings. These commandments can be found in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. What's number one say? You shall have no other gods before me. Now, notice God pre-qualifies it by saying, I brought you out of Egypt. I've done something for you. Therefore, have no other gods before me. See, nothing in your life should take the place of God. Not a bottle, not a baggie, not a behavior that one turns to in time of need. Not anger, not gossip. Nothing should take the place of God. But that's a hard way uh, to, to change. But God wants to be there, our answer to everything. He wants to be our answer to everything, and he's created us that right, way. Right, because we're all we're all created with that vacuum that in our vacuum. life, and we try to fill it, that We dark try to hole. fill it with something Anything temporal. And everything, whether it's, it's shopping or things or men or women or yeah. whatever it may be, food. God is the one that, that designed that so that he could come in and, and complete us. That's right. What's number two? Number two is you shall not make for yourself a carved image and bow down to it. Why not? Well— Many reasons, but God says, don't limit me to an object. Right. Don't even call it, even if you call it me, you're still limiting me. You're boxing me in. I, we should be able to think more and newer things of God every time we study him. Don't limit him. Don't, and that's what he's saying. There's no power in objects. Don't make me an object. I, I'm much bigger than that. Right. Because you will only be, you will only find me as narrow as you make me in that object. Right. Yeah. What's number three? Three is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That means words and actions. I know throughout my recovery, uh, that still small voice was there. I know that once I quit uh, doing drugs, about a year later, the Lord says, you know, you're witnessing for me. This is wonderful, but you're taking my name in vain. I said, what do you, what do you mean? Well, you're still smoking. Oh, okay. See, so because by taking on the name of Jesus Christ, we're one of his, we should wave that flag with honor and and be as much like Christ as possible to show the rest of the world what Christ is like. Right. Because And God God wants you to take care of yourself. That's right. And what is what did Christ come here? Who did he come here to show us? He came to show us what the what the father was, was like, because they asked him, Jesus, what, what is, what's the father like? And he says, well, you've been with me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's why he came. He is God in human flesh. He's how God would act on this earth if he was a human. Right. So we don't, we don't want a, a, a bumper sticker on our car saying, talking how we're a Christian and then running people off the side of the road, right? And honking at them and yelling at them. Right. Well, hopefully the bumper sticker isn't what, what keeps us straight and narrow. It's the principle that we love God that's, that's in our right. heart. That's right. Right. What's number four? Number four is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's right. Have a date with God. God picks the time. You pick the place. See, these first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Now, the last six deal with our relationship with our fellow human beings. What's number five? Honor your mother and your father. Sure. And number six? Is you shall not murder. Now, not even in your mind. Jesus went this far. Remember, everything we've talked about throughout this series is 
is about how things that we do started in our minds, what you think you are. And so Jesus reiterates this when, when they're talking about uh, murder. And when he says, you have heard that people were told in the past, do not commit murder. Anyone that does will be brought to trial, Matthew five twenty two. But now I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, you will be brought to trial. If you call your if you call your brother you good for nothing, you will be brought before the council. And if you call your brother a worthless fool, you will be in danger of going to the fire of hell. It's all in the head. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying. What's number seven? You shall not commit adultery. Not even in your mind. This is where the addictions begin. Matthew five twenty seven. You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his mind. You know, they say when an addict goes back out, he's already gone back out in his mind first. Correct. The act is just a, is just a, a follow-up to the thought processes that have been happening a long time before. That's right. And so Jesus, he's, he, he reiterates this, right. and he makes it very clear. Don't murder. If you do it in your mind, it's wrong. That's where it starts. Do not commit adultery. Same thing. What about st- what's about number eight? Do not steal. This includes time, even time from God. You know, we can steal. Uh, we don't think we're actually going in and shoplifting, but you know, we can steal time from people. If you're in an addiction, you're stealing time from your loved ones. What's number nine? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does that mean? That means lying, gossiping, exaggerating. They're all behavioral ah, addictions. Ah, that's bearing false witness. Right. Okay. Number 10, you shall not covet anything that's your neighbor's. Mm-hmm. God's saying right here that this is where it all starts, in the mind. That's right. What's Hebrews 8.10 say? Now, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel in the days to come, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. What law? The Ten Commandments. Same law, different location. See, is heaven going to be populated with people who need to read the law in order not to be bad? No. Heaven will be populated with people who not only do, don't do do anything bad, they won't even want to. That's what it means to have the law written upon the tables of the heart. Notice in Exodus 31, 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. And then you go to 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3, it says, you, sh- you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Same law, different location. It becomes a part of who we are. It becomes a part of you. We don't need the law on the wall anymore to tell us, tell me in the morning, okay, I'm not going to get up this morning and murder Susan. Okay, hope not, huh? No, the law is that law is written on my heart already, and God wants to write all the laws on our hearts, doesn't He? And we become changed people. That's right. That's God's addiction recovery program. You see. We don't do bad things anymore, and we don't even want to do bad things. I don't want to do methamphetamine, methamphetamine anymore. Right. I don't even want to. And there's all kinds of behavioral addictions that I'm struggling with right now, and I want to get to the point where I don't even want to do them. Right, because God wants to completely heal us, that's, and, and we that's, become new creatures. That's when it's written on the heart. That's right. And he promises that he, that he will write those laws on the heart. They're not a bunch of don'ts. 
just to be a bunch of don'ts. They are a bunch of don'ts to make us healthy, happy people. Joyous we, and free. Yeah, to live in harmony with God. Now, next week, we're going uh, to recap what we've talked about for the last few months. And uh, once again, we want to thank everybody for calling in. We want to thank you for listening. And uh, we, we have a website also that we'd like you to go to. And just check us out. And if your church wants... Uh, wants us to come and and give a presentation on addiction recovery and what God can do in the lives of two people like Susan and I, we'd love to come and That's... share. We have a, we have several pres, pres, different presentations for different occasions and things like that. That's what that's how we get our joy and that's how we give back is by letting people know. That's right. Now remember folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I love them? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.